0: It's Saturday, August the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, more jobs in America, and more territory under the Taliban in Afghanistan. First, the week in brief. Stock markets in America reached record highs following a strong jobs report. The labour market added 943,000 non-farm jobs in July, beating economists' forecasts, while the unemployment rate fell to 5.4 per cent. The data suggests that the country's economic recovery continues apace, and that the labour shortage dragging on growth recently has eased. The S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average both broke records. Poland and Lithuania appealed to European institutions for help, stemming a surge of mostly Iraqi, Afghan and African migrants entering their countries via Belarus. It is probably Belarusian retaliation after both countries harboured dissidents escaping the regime of Alexander Lukashenko. Poland and Lithuania condemned his, quote, weaponisation of irregular migration. Separately, Poland's Justice Minister denounced the European Union for demanding reforms to his country's judicial system. WhatsApp, a messaging service owned by Facebook, said it would not follow Apple in adopting software that can scan for images of child pornography. Apple's cryptographic system is supposed to compare users' stored photos against a database of illegal images monitored by an NGO. Will Cathcart, WhatsApp's boss, tweeted that Apple's approach is, quote, a setback for people's privacy all over the world. Myanmar's ambassador to the UN was the target of a foiled assassination plot. U Kyo Mo Tun stands opposed to the coup that replaced his country's elected government with a reinstated military junta. Two Myanmar nationals living in New York were arrested and charged with having tried to contract a third party to injure or kill Mr Kyo Mo Tun. The Securities and Exchange Commission, America's top financial regulator, approved a plan by NASDAQ to require firms listed on its exchange to disclose information about boardroom diversity. Most companies will need to have at least one director who is a woman and one who is from a racial or sexual minority, or else explain their absence. The exchange has found that over three-quarters of its listed companies would not meet that bar. The Taliban captured the city of Zarang in Afghanistan's Nimroz province. It is the first provincial capital to fall to the resurgent militant group during their current offensive against the Afghan government and allied forces since America announced its withdrawal from the country. The Taliban also assassinated the government's top media officer in Kabul, the national capital, during Friday prayers. The Dixie Fire in Northern California is now America's largest conflagration and the Golden State's largest standalone fire on record. As of Friday, the blaze had burned more than 430,000 acres and incinerated the town of Greenville. A historic drought has turned forests in western states into tinder boxes. Wildfires are also raging in Greece and Turkey. And, word of the week, Ghost guns, noun. Privately made firearms that do not have serial numbers and are therefore impossible to trace if they are used to commit a crime. And now here's today's agenda Native American comedy, reservation dogs. Indigenous characters rarely appear in Hollywood. When they do, they are too often cheap stereotypes. All they want to do is see us riding whales, talking to the trees, playing flutes on mountaintops and talking to ghosts, says Taika Waititi, an Oscar-winning writer and director of Maori and Jewish descent. His latest project tries to tackle the problems. Reservation Dogs, a television series which has its premiere on Monday, focuses on four Native American teenagers in Oklahoma. In a bid to get to California, the gang get into various misadventures, including a string of petty thefts and a fierce paintball war with a rival, quote, Indian Mafia. It is a funnier portrayal of Native American life than audiences may be used to, and with an all-Indigenous writer's room and cast, the show's creators are fighting back against their woeful underrepresentation in popular media. Despite making up around 2% of the population of the United States, Native Americans played just 0.5% of film roles in 2019. Lethal Legacy – The Meaning of Hitler In 1978, Sebastian Hafner, really Raimund Pretzel, a German journalist and historian, published an acclaimed analysis of the German dictator. The meaning of Hitler included chapters titled Misconceptions, Mistakes, and Crimes. It explored his personal and professional failings, but concluded, Today's world, whether we like it or not, is the work of Hitler. A documentary of the same name released in America next week takes up that point. It examines the enduring legacy of his hateful ideology and the resurgence of anti-Semitism, white supremacy, nationalism and authoritarianism in the 21st century. Much like Hafner's book, it charts Hitler's rise to power and probes the cult of personality that he created. But it also invites leading thinkers to analyse, our culture's fascination with Hitler and Nazism. The filmmakers themselves grapple with their attraction to the subject, asking, quote, Is it possible to make a film like this without contributing to the expansion of the Nazi cinematic universe? Red Hot Were Neanderthals Artists? Neanderthals have long been thought of as modern humans' unsophisticated cousins. But analysis published this week suggests otherwise, corroborating a hypothesis based on red pigment found in a Spanish cave in 2018. The textures and compositions of the rock that was streaked red did not match the rest of the cave, ruling out the possibility that natural processes caused the markings. Instead, researchers note the pigment must have been deliberately brought from another source. Moreover, the colour was applied at different points in time, the earliest of which was more than 20,000 years before modern humans appeared in Europe. The space thus seems to have held symbolic significance for Neanderthals, who apparently returned to the cave time and again and recorded their presence there. Although they may not be art in the conventional sense, the stains are further proof that the humans of yesteryear were not so different from humans today. Leaps and Bounds, How Squirrels Perform Their Acrobatics Scrambling, scurrying and leaping across empty space, squirrels rival monkeys as nature's greatest acrobats. One subgroup has even learned to fly, or rather glide. They need the skills. High in the canopy, a single slip can be fatal. Research just published in Science shows how squirrels perform their amazing arboreal stunts. Researchers built a special squirrel obstacle course and set up high-speed cameras to film them in action. Footage revealed that the rodents invent parkour-esque moves on the fly, adjusting their orientation and landings mid-air. More important, though, is deciding when to jump and when not to. It turns out that the distance of a gap is not particularly salient to squirrels. Of much greater concern is the sturdiness of the platform they leap from. That is because even when they undershoot landings, their sharp claws enable them to clamber back to safety. No squirrels were harmed in the making of the experiment. In fact, not one fell. Saturday Profile Win Tet oo, Burmese Olympian August 1st should have been a bitter day for Win Tet Oo. The final of the men's 50-metre freestyle was taking place at the Tokyo Olympics, and for 20 years mister Tet Oo had devoted his energies to swimming at the Games. But instead of being in Japan, fastening his goggles and launching himself into the pool, Mr Oo was thousands of miles away in Australia. Missing one's big moment would sour most athletes' enjoyment of the Games, not Mr Oo. The Olympics was quite inspiring, he says stoically. The 27-year-old Burmese swimmer had qualified for the event, which was to be his Olympic debut. But when the Burmese army seized power last February, Mr Oo could not bear the idea of wrapping himself, quote, in a flag steeped in my people's blood, as he posted on Facebook in April, referring to the hundreds of Burmese killed during the Hunters' crackdown. So he dropped out. Mr Oo learned to swim at the age of six, He began competing soon after. When his father told him that there were no Burmese Olympians, he lit the flame of ambition in Mr Wintet-U. Going to the Olympics is all I've really dreamt of doing since I was seven, he says. When he achieved the Olympic qualifying time at the Southeast Asian Games in 2019, that dream seemed to be on the verge of coming true. The coup shattered those hopes, but it has not snuffed out Mr Oo's spirit He had always regarded swimming as an act of patriotism. He came of age as the generals who ruled Myanmar ended decades of isolation and set Myanmar on a path towards democracy. With every stroke, Mr Wintet U felt that he was helping, in some small way, to propel his country in the right direction by proving to the world that the Burmese people can do great things but now that the generals have undone the progress of the past decade, Mr Wintet, ooh, thinks that he can best serve his country by raising money to support those trying to restore democracy. It will be the contest of a lifetime. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Garrison Keeler, who was born on this day in 1942. Intelligence is like four-wheel drive. It only allows you to get stuck in more remote places. That's it from The Economist morning briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast.